welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Well, welcome. Today on the show, I have Jen Jacobs, a well-known expert in long-term care insurance. And I brought her on the show specifically to talk about what long-term care insurance is and how it can be of importance or use to not just everybody, but specifically to business owners. And with that, here's my interview with Jen. Jen, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Uh, yes, we had a little bit of some audio issues, so you may sound like you're a bit of a, a little bit of a robotic voice, but it's still uh, <laughs> still still going to be plenty of great wisdom here. So, Jen Jacobs, tell us about who you are and what it is you do. Well, I would be called, I guess, an insurance consultant, but I have a specialization in long-term care. I've been doing this for over 20 years, and I started in the business when I was quite young, and I found out quite quickly how important this really was going to be. I always thought insurance was a fascinating concept against the grain of most who may not feel like this, but I always thought it was the neatest idea that you could spend a little bit to make sure that you were protected. You know, I mean, basically everybody put their money together in a pot and if somebody had a problem, you were going to be okay. I thought it was just such a great, lovely idea as cheesy as that might sound, but it's true. So when I got into long-term care, we had family history of illnesses and people being cared for. But very early in my career, my father got quite sick and my mom and I were the primary caregivers, although I have a big family, fortunately. And through that caregiving, I mean, my whole career was on hold. I was very close to having a hard time and not just financially, but of course, emotionally. And if my father hadn't had some coverage and it wasn't enough because he really only bought it to appease me, we would have really had a big problem more than we did. And I'll tell you, being able to stand beside him to the day he passed, and I know my mom and I have talked about it since then a hundred times, but it was great to be able to do that without money being our desperation and difficulty. And it wasn't the same kind of burden that I know he on me as he was very fearful to put. So because of that, I just thought this was the greatest concept in the world. Do you mean you can buy insurance that pays you when you're sick or injured so you can stay in your own home and you don't have to burden your family and you're not going to run out of money? This just seems like a, an absolutely amazing thing. And it is. And that's what it is. It is. But let's also talk about the reality of this. Long-term care insurance is of the different life and health insurances that are out there. Life insurance, disability, critical, and which you covered before, and long-term care is the most undersold product in this country. I remember being at a conference once, this was years ago, and the numbers haven't got any better, if not, maybe got worse. And it was like, camera a couple hundred people in the room. And they said, okay, stand up if you sold a life insurance policy in the last year. Of course, it was all insurance advice, so they all stood up. Okay, now sit down if you haven't sold, if you um, stay standing if you've sold a critical illness policy. And then it was down to 10% of the room. Then it was stay, stay standing if you sold a, dis, uh, a disability policy. It was down to 5% of the room. And then it was stay, stay standing if you sold a insurance pol- uh, a long-term care insurance policy. And there were two of us left. Yep. And it was myself and another gentleman who basically bought it on himself. <laughs> yep. Like, so it vastly understood. So let's talk about, first off, let's talk about, because this, this is about insurance coverage and specifically it's going to help. Talk about what triggers a long-term care event. Like basically, what is it we're, we're insuring against? Okay, so this is part of the reason I have such a passion for this coverage is because, to your point, there are a lot of insurance coverages out there, but this is the only one I've ever found 
that is really based on the individual's symptoms and their need for help versus their income, who's doing it, what condition they have. So it's very encompassing. So the specific trigger on long-term care in general or loss of independence is your inability to be independent and you need help with your normal daily activities or, heaven forbid, cognitive impairment, which makes you require uh, supervision ongoing because of safety, inability, judgment, reasoning, orientation, that sort of thing. Now, most people would rather me say this in in very plain uh, non-insurance terms. So really, what this means is this is the only policy that based on the fact that you need help with from another person. So most of the time when people require care, whether it be because of a a heaven forbid, a a heart injury, a stroke, and natural aging, activities of daily living is your ability to get on on your own. So think about your day. You get up, you have to go to the washroom, you get dressed, you get washed. So bathing, transferring, toileting, these are the most common types of activities that people need help with in in so many environments, even young and old. So when somebody needs help with two activities, the claim is triggered. That is what triggers the claim. My dad had cancer in his situation. And yes, he was in a bed, but he was not an invalid. He got up, he, he moved around, and he was conscious, cognizant, but he did need help. And that's where this pays. It's not too good to be true, but it pays when you need help ongoing. It's interesting. So a couple key points there. Bottom line is you need those types of help, whether it's cognitive impairment or physical and those activities of daily living, you're going to receive a benefit. Now, contrast this to the other forms I mentioned earlier. You know, life, you're dead, you're gone, right? Like that's meant to pay for various things, including supporting your family, taxes, and, and some staple and some tax planning considerations. But on the living benefits side, which is the other three, there's this real kind of weird overlap between a lot of them, right? So disability insurance will protect you from becoming disabled, just like long-term care will. But the difference being that one ends at 65, typically, some of them have lifetime policies, but they're also defined around your ability to work, right? And this is the same, similar, but different, right? Like, can you speak to the differences? Well, and that's where I think a lot of business owners potentially are missing a mark on this type of coverage. Disability insurance, to your point, is well, the name disability gives some misconnotation because the reality is disability is triggered by your inability to do the job that you insured as well as the occupation, I mean, sorry, the income that you're collecting. So as a business owner, where we can run into a pickle is if you have ongoing income that may continue even if you're disabled and was going to still be drawn, that could affect your ability to collect. There's also many business owners that have established a business that could go forward without them there on a daily basis and still allow them to draw income, let's say, and maybe that would not be applicable with a standard disability, but they could be disabled in the sense of true disability needing care from somebody and be collecting on long-term care at the same time. It's not related to your occupation or income, and often it will overlap on a shortfall of income with a business owner or provide them with a transition benefit from working years to retirement because we have that gap with disability always. Yeah. And then on top of that, you throw critical illness, which you could have a critical illness, not have a disability, not be cognitively impaired or need working, you know, not need long-term care. You know, it's people often try to talk about using one or the other. The reality is all three serve very different needs, similar, but different. So don't think one is going to do the job but the others aren't. Now you brought up an interesting point with business owners in that you'll have other forms of income and the business will continue on. And that may not get you a payout depending on the policy. The other issue is too, is that get to a certain level of net worth, they're just not going to give it to you, right? Like you're not, I've seen that happen where basically, no, your net worth is too high. We're not going to issue disability disability insurance because financially you'll be fine, right? 
you know, well, and, I, and to your point, really, we are trying to establish coverage for people in all scenarios that meet their needs and requirements. And if that's the case, if somebody, if I can say to somebody, if you could retire tomorrow, would you be financially impacted? And they say no, I don't think I need to implement disability into their portfolio. But if I say to them, if you are paralyzed tomorrow and for 20 years need index care needs of 80 to 100,000 a year, that millions of dollars would be impactful, then that's worth protection. Yeah, exactly. I think it comes down to exactly. It's not so much about the impact is first off, you're losing the human capital perspective. So you could you could basically lose a ton of income, but the income ends at a certain point in the future. But what you're talking about specific is different to long-term care is the ongoing care need, which is enormous. So frankly, yeah, it's it's drastically undersold. So let's talk about that for a sec. So why do you feel it's undersold? I've got my own working theories. <laughs> Well, I would like to hear yours as well, because these are obviously theories, because I don't have a problem with it in the sense of I, I talk about it all the time, because that's what I do, but it's my specialization. So I saw lots of it. I never had an issue with it. it it's common with my uh, partnership advisors and people I deal with because they have a point of reference and exposure. I think one main thing, of course, is many advisors um, haven't been brought it into their practice, and if they're not mentioning it, no one's going to know about it. When you say long-term care insurance, there are really bad misinterpretations of what that means. So people often think it means old age only, or it means, mm -hmm. you know, you're in a home. This has nothing to do with being a home. I'm going to pay you whether you're in your own home or in a facility or a hospital. I don't care. That's not the point. This is to provide the additional money you need when care is needed, which is generally between, you know, five and 10 grand a month if it's ongoing. Yep. And Okay, so you haven't had that, but I'll tell you what I think. Tell me, <laughs> so tell me. Yeah. What, what I think is a couple of things. First off, I think first, uh, I think first off, it's indicative in that the other ones that are undersold, disability and credit bonus, disability in particular, a couple of things. First off, I think a lot of people are just basically, they understand the concept of life insurance inher inherently because they've heard it forever, right? Like, and it's given away at work and everything else. And there's almost like an expectation that, oh, I buy a house or I have a kid, I need to buy life insurance. Like that is almost, whether it be commercials or their parents, I don't know how they got it, but there's an understanding there. The other forms are not understood as much as well. Secondly, it's easier to underwrite life insurance. It is like the, they look at the underwriting process is more strenuous for the other three. Third, it is Canada is an interesting country in that we have a, a fixation on fixed premium insurance, whereas other countries, there's a lot more variable premium insurance sold out there. Long-term care, as you know, does not have a full term of life fixed premium. There are adjustments potentially. I think that turns off a lot of people just for lack of security. I'm not really sure why. And then the last part is, is that it, the reality is, is that it can be quote unquote expensive on the outside, I think. So I think you, you have a conspiracy of all these things coming together, plus it being newer, relatively speaking to every other form of insurance. And that just, for the, we like, let's just be honest. We know that insurance advisors fall into a couple of categories. There are a couple that basically will, there are plenty that will do the great, the right job and do the research and know what you need and sell you what it is you need, but they maybe don't sell every form of insurance. There are those who do all of it. And then there's those who are just looking for the quick hit to move on, right? Like sell the quick term insurance policy, how much you have to spend. Great. That's, this is how, this is the biggest thing I can get you move on. And you know, you can get term insurance issue guaranteed standard issue with, with no medicals these days uh, on up to a million dollars in some cases, right? So they're looking for the quick term. This is a longer under, I'm sure you can test longer underwriting process on average. 100%. It can be. And again, that's where one of the many advisors know that to be true and where it can be difficult because it can be long and, and tedious. And using a specialist could really help with that because of the medical side or at the very least doing diligence in advance of the underwriting because you have to. There, there's no option for this. If we don't do that, then you're going to run into really long processes. But yes, definitely 
more difficult to get than life insurance, which is a boast to get it earlier. <laughs> well, true. But, but that's the other problem, right? More often than not, this is thought about as a later career stage type of coverage, right? So we're talking about post-65, people start thinking, well, oh, no, you know, I'm starting to face my mortality. I'm not going to live forever. I have maybe another 10, 15, 20 years before I need some sort of care. I should look to insure it now, right? That's, I think that's a natural human reaction. Talk to me about how the cost differs when someone, say, who's 70 versus someone, say, who's 50 looks at something like this. Well, again, you know what? It's, this is a hard thing because maybe I'm a little Mary Poppins with my insurance views, which I know I am. But, you know, it's all about the length of time that you're going to be spending as well, right? You know, I bought my policy when I was in my 30s. I'm presumably going to pay much longer than somebody who bought it in their 50s or in their 70s. So on the cost of really input, it's hard for me to say that or say exactly how I feel. But the cost difference, it is manageable. But here's where I don't think enough people understand. Long-term care doesn't come in one way. So there's two actual types of long-term care. So when I get clients that are older and cost is a factor, what we're looking at is policies that have a longer waiting period and things like that to reduce those costs. And to your point, those people have saved up. We're not trying to protect anymore for these short-term ailments and income loss like we were with disability or critical illness. We're really worried about that longevity risk and impacting the family or their assets. So something that has you know a one-year waiting period that literally costs 30 or 40% less has never really been looked at because people haven't thought of it like that, but that is where the difference in that cost can really come from. And there are also other features that have been added that, again, can be very mathematically sound and worth consideration, not right for every person, but consideration are the return of premium on death factors on those policies. You know, those policies, if you, to your point, there is some limitations on the premium guarantee, but sometimes they're putting on the guaranteed return of premium, even if there was an adjustment, there is 100% protection in the capital put into that policy, whether you collector, you don't. So there are some safeguards to make sure. It's interesting. I mean, I have I have mixed feelings on return of premium. I mean, depending on the product, some of them, I'm not a big fan of return of premium on death. To me, it's just like, it's just like buying a little bit more insurance every month, uh, life insurance every month. And I don't think it's really that relevant to me. Return of premium on like on DI policies where it pays you every couple of years, those can be very lucrative if you stay healthy. Now, further to your point though, about the, give it a year's, you know, you have a year long waiting period to reduce the premium. And I think this is, this is a fundamental thing that I think a lot of people got to wrap their heads around. And I think there's, as we know, there's a somewhat of a general aversion to the concept of insurance in, in the world. My previous comment with uh, a conversation was, was Zach Goldman. He basically had someone once say, just call it something else. Just, just call it anything else at this point. Because, you know, everybody okay. always thinks of the car insurance company not wanting to pay them out or the home insurance company giving them a hard time. And yet we health life and health people get, get painted with the same brush, even though I've never had a claim issue in my life. So basically you have that. Now the waiting period on a year is perfect or if not longer is perfect. And for the standpoint of what we're really trying to protect against is not a small incremental loss. We're trying to basically take care of the, as you said, the longevity risk. So you have a semi-catastrophic event, right? You have an event that basically in, makes you unable to take care of yourself, but you're still going to be around for a long time. Right. And that's that's really the risk. Right. Is that you're going to basically and you want to be around for a long time. Assume you're cognitive. The reality is, is that that's going to be a long and expensive road. And with medical advancements, there are twofold to that. A, people are, of course, living longer with things, surviving things that they wouldn't have. So there is that true longer risk to longevity. But what, something you said earlier about qualifying, as we get more advanced with medical, they're going to be able to 
see things much faster, which is going to make it harder to get as we go forward without question. So I can't stress enough how things are going to change and we need to take advantage of these things for planning. And I don't think this bubble of long-term care chaos is going to be there forever once our population shifts and things like that. But we've got another 20 or 35 years minimum of this potential financial impactful consequence of living too long. Yep. And it's, it's, it's only getting, you know, it's, it's funny. This was the year, I think it was the first year ever or the first year in a yeah. long time that there was a decrease in mortality tables in the U S largely due to the opioid crisis. But barring that there's only one direction that thing goes, right? Like there is only one direction that thing goes. And just to, just to tell, explain to people how, how different things are. The story I always tell is the story of the first government state government pension, modern government pension, which was Otto von Bismarck in the German state who basically in the 1800s launched a government pension that was originally targeted at people, at, I think it was 67 and then moved to 65. And it was basically meant for people who could not, it wasn't meant to, so you can go on vacation. Like that wasn't it, right? Like it was meant for, oh my God, you're so old and decrepit, you can't work anymore. We have to give you something. So it was like old age security and GIS combined. But what people don't understand, so that was 65 and our retirement age has never changed from that. If you were to have adjusted that retirement age to mortality gains, the number would be somewhere close to somewhere between 93 and 98. So wow. the reality is, is back then, people who made it to 65 could expect to live not very long, a couple of years, a couple of years. And now people make it to 65. We're talking at life expectancies of, what is it, 84 for women, 90, you know, almost 80 for men. And I always remind people, let's not forget that life expectancy is an average. So 50% probability you go beyond that. The joint probability on a couple having at least one person live past 95 is like 10% now, pretty close to it. So we're going to be around, most of us can be around for a while, barring incident and COVID, but we ain't staying healthy that entire time. So it's it's a challenge. So. Yep. In particular uh, and, the- you know, with people living longer, they have this inability to plan, of course, but you're going to be, if you're a business owner and you get to retire at 55 because you've amassed a significant estate and your portfolio is great, you're going to be retired longer than you worked. Well, I'll tell you, you know, it's gonna be, so this is a funny story. I actually wrote an article mentioning this. My wife is the teacher's pension plan's greatest enemy. She is scheduled to retire like early at like 54 or something like that. And her grandmother, her grandmother lived to be 106 years and six months. That's what I mean. I mean, that's crazy to think you're really, and you are And the planning. It's not really, you can't really get your head around it, but that's why this is so important and how impactful it can be in the long term, especially index plans. You know, you buy a policy that's indexed at the age of 50, that's 100 grand a year of benefit, and it's indexed for life. By the time you get to 90, it's worth 250000 a year. I mean, yep. you, you couldn't do that. So is your viewpoint just generally that people aren't looking at this early enough? Yes, but... And saying that as much as I love insurance, you can. Everybody has priorities, and and in very few situations between the age of forty and fifty-five, will a client have long-term care, disability, critical illness, life insurance? Because there are transitions in these, and disability. Often, what I'll do is try to get a piece of uh, long-term care started or discussed in their those years, because their disability is going to end, and we can reallocate those dollars effectively rather than trying to just always overlap. But yeah. the sooner we do it, the Absolutely, without question, more value. And you said something earlier about that meeting room was stand up if you own long-term care or sell long-term care, and nobody did. And I've done that, of course, in talking to advisors saying, like, if how many clients have you talked to about this? And nobody has. And I said, okay, let's reverse this. And let's say I said you had a business owner that walked into your office who is 58 years old, and 10 years ago they met me, and I sold them long-term care insurance. And so when they come into your new office and they say, and you're meeting them and you ask them what they have, and they say, oh, well, I have this policy – 
I only have 15 years left to pay because it's limited payment, and it covers me unlimited for, you know, 150000 indexed for life. Would you tell them to cancel it? And the advisor depends, like, depends, depends on how credible the advisor is. But um, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely but you right. But you wouldn't. It's a gigantic asset for his, his retirement. You could never match Agreed. that. So how could you not sell that or Agreed. talk about it? I think you're right. I think, you know, when we do our entire insurance presentation, we go over every form that's out there. And we basically, first thing I say is, okay, is we're going to talk about some unfortunate things. Second thing I say is, by the way, you're not going to get all of this because if you got all of this, you'd have to take another job out just to pay for it all. And that's not what I'm after. So yeah. So I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to where are you going to allocate money to the biggest, hottest issue, right? And I would say you're probably right in that I think for the most part, I think maybe disability policies carry on for too long, you know, especially if you got an ROP on it. Like if you're, if you're basically looking at, say, a ROP coming to you with five to six years left, you're 60, you're 59, 60, and you're hopefully by then, quote unquote, solvent enough that your retirement is, is a very real reality with very little deviation, then getting rid of that DI policy and looking at long-term care is probably a very smart move as a business owner. Simply reallocation of that risk. And that business owner wants to make a calculated decision on the risk at hand, right? I mean, if they go buy all new computers and the computers are worth a hundred grand, they're going to insure them for a couple thousand dollars a year. This is the same concept. You're coming to retirement, reallocating those dollars to an insurable risk that's impactful. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And if anything, as we said, it's the trying to transition, right? You get, get the state. There's going to be a stage where the DI becomes less important, the LTC becomes more important, and it just so happens that. People probably think that happens too late, but it also happens at a stage where it still remains relatively affordable, all things considered. Because I mean, it's pretty pricey when you start quoting these things in people in their seventies. Because at that point, oh, yeah. you know, there's not much, there's not much time to claim, right? So you know, it's the old, you know, people ask me why is it so expensive. It's like, well, let's put it this way: no one wants to insure a house on fire. And I'm not saying you're on fire; you're not on fire. But let's say that you have a cabin in the mountains in California that are very much known for for fires. Like <laughs> you're not on fire. But yeah, well, you know, the probability of you being on fire increase, is increased. I, That's the uh, there's only one. And when I started, and I'm not exaggerating, my second case of long-term care when I was brand new, so young, met her. Her name was Shirley. And she was 72 years old when I met her. I went to go talk about long-term care. And just as you said, it's very expensive. Shirley didn't have a lot of money. I met with her three times before she bought it because she said, should I do it? And I said, look, I don't know. If you don't buy it and something happens, you're going to be in big trouble. If you do buy it and the money that you're paying out starts to cause you, know, you to be upset or uncomfortable, then I don't know how I'm doing justice to your life here. But let's try it. We applied. Shirley decided to go with it, which was great less than two years. It was literally, I sold it to her in, Ju- in June of that year. And by December, I got a notice that Shirley was diagnosed with terminal cancer and was given six months to live. She only paid for six months. And that woman collected for six years straight. It was one of my longest claims and she only paid for six months. There you go. So you never know, know, right? That's the whole thing know. of insurance. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, a I've, had that conversation. I've had that conversation all the time. It's like, oh, this is gonna be a terrible return. I said, yeah, if you die at a hundred, it's a terrible return. And actually, is it really? Because compare it to GIC rates, you know, it's guaranteed. It's not. Said, you walk out of here, get by a car tomorrow. It is a bigger return than your lottery ticket in most cases. So, and, it, and, and this ain't the lottery. This is guaranteed. So it doesn't matter when it happens, you know, for lack of a better term, it's like you're buying, for lack of a better term, it's not a lottery ticket, you're, but you're buying a lottery ticket that's guaranteed to pay. I wish lottery tickets were guaranteed to pay, but unfortunately they're not. Yeah, I wish everybody took their lottery. Those people that spend money every week took that money and applied to this because you'd have better yeah. odds and more applicable results. 
<laughs> yeah, and and yeah, more version. Yeah, it's exactly a more devastating thing. And I, I will say one other area I've sold into in the past in this, uh, and actually have had more success than not, is is in people who two things. They've had a combination of personal experience where this sort of thing happened. They saw the Costco and they're like, whoa, like I need some help with this. And then the second uh, the second factor was these people legitimately had the financial capacity to handle it. It wasn't about that. It was about capital preservation for the estate. They had seen how much of the of the, of the parents' financial nest egg had been, had been, and their eventual inheritance had been whittled away by all these care costs and said, you know what? I would rather basically preserve it. So, you know, we've talked about life insurance, but they, they offer, they opted for the long-term care in particular, because it also came with, you know, a lot of these come with care coordination. So support from professionals to turn to on a dime, if, if basically something goes wrong, right? You have that extra, that extra kind of expertise now that doesn't, that helps you navigate the system. And that's worth more than people understand because anyone going through it, just talking to an advisor yesterday, trying to get their mother associate, she was sleeping on her floor for five days because she couldn't get someone to come and help, didn't know who to call. Care coordination is expensive and difficult. And more importantly, as people age, it's often a single person needing the care because they've lost their partner and they need an advocate in order to maneuver or they're not going to get better or the proper service. Yep. It's part of this, like the same value proposition that I give. It's like, not only, not only is it all the stuff I do, for financial planning, everything else. It's a simple fact that when anything hits the fan, you got to pick up the phone, right? And especially financially, like some of the, some of the crazy stuff that I have thrown my way that clients wouldn't expect me to be able to help with. It's, it's quite interesting because even if I can't help with it, I, I typically have a decent idea where to go. But in most cases, it's, you know, that reassurance, like I said, basically you're part of my, part of my value proposition is a form of insurance that you have that person in your corner to call. Well, and a lot of business owners that are at risk if something really happens to them financially, a very significant impact, they need to consider this because it's it's a solution to a problem they have. A lot of, let's say, um, more established or affluent business owners look at this as an opportunity to diversify the portfolio and financially plan effectively. But through the same needs, it's just, it's there and it can be applicable in both situations. But the bottom line is, if people are listening to this, and there's two groups of people listening to this uh, that I've been told, financial advisors, big surprise, and business owners, thankfully, hitting my target demo. So I think the takeaway message from all this is advisors need to talk about this more, educate themselves on it more. And there, there aren't that many products out there in the market, right? There's only a handful. There are some interesting twists and dynamics to all of them and differences that we need to educate ourselves on. Jed might be a good resource for that, just saying. And then secondly, is as, as uh, business owners, yeah, especially if you're in that kind of sweet spot of... You got into a certain level, you're probably around in your 50s, probably the DI is still a value, but you maybe built that nest egg. And that's kind of like the sweet spot for me. But frankly, it applies. It's a conversation should be had across the board, across the board. And if, if there was one of those things where if there was fiduciary responsibility put upon insurance advisors, it would have to be had. So let's just act like that anyway. Exactly. Just mention it. And you know what? People can make informed choices and it may not be immediate, but it's in your head now and things as they come up, at least you can refer back and not think there isn't an option for this because there really is. And there's a fabulous one and it's going to be gone sooner than I think, than I hope it will. You know, like it's not going to be here forever. Well, I think you're right, because I think the liability of the insurance companies is bigger than they understand, which is, has been proven in the States and other cases. And also, it's it's not selling enough. It needs to sell more. And that's our saving grace, because I think if it was mass sold, I don't think that, I think they would have changed it by now. Yeah, well, they changed it they, years ago. They they pulled back on a lot of the benefits. They, they, they made it more prohibitive, but we might see it get more prohibitive in the future. So strike while the iron is hot. Anyway, Jen, this has been great. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, where can people find you? You can reach me at jjacobs at... LTCI, so long-term care insurance, consulting.ca. You can uh, reach me at 
www.jenniferjacobs.ca. Or my number, the office number is 905-829-4984, and we're there if you need any help. Thank you very much for your time. Okay, have a good one. Appreciate it. So that was this week's episode of Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners. I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you enjoyed understanding and learning more about a seldom discussed and poorly understood form of insurance that can be of incredible tangible benefit, especially when the unforeseen and the things you hope to avoid in old age do happen. It's going to happen to more of us. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you. 